Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark College Football Show. I'm George Whitfield, joined on a big college football day with the pride of Penn State, Christian Hackenberg, and the prodigal son of Aggie Land and Sooner Nation, Trevor Knight. Fellas, let's just go right into it. Let's jump right into it. We're going to start a little bit earlier for all you guys joining us. You can usually catch us right after the primetime game tonight. Looks like Oklahoma has this one knocked out, so we're rolling. Thoughts on the Sooners and how they're handling business under new management, as they would say. Trevor, your boys, are we improved or is it just TCU is a good matchup for you? Hey, huge statement early in the week from what I understand. I know it came out a few minutes before kickoff, but kind of some inside track here, uh, you know, texting a few buddies. I think it was the decision was made early on the week to ride with number 13, Caleb Williams. And the guy comes out and proves that it was not lightning in a bottle last week in the Cotton Bowl, drives the ball down the field, first two drives, puts points on the board. He's commanded it like a veteran. You can tell the other guys on the team, the way they respond to him, the way mm -hmm. they celebrate with him. He is the new sheriff in town, uh, and he's showing it tonight. It's been really, really cool to watch a young guy, first true freshman to start a game at Oklahoma since Kale Gundy, wow. brother of Mike Gundy, way back in the day. The guy's ancient now. Dang. Love Coach Gundy. But first true freshman to do it, and he's playing like a seasoned veteran. Hack, would there have been any argument off of watching him bring the Sooners back 21 points last week? Was there – I don't even know how – when Trevor said early in the week, it looked like he started to pull away. How could it have not have been decided as they were walking off the field last week? What would have been the argument for our, our man Rattler? Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know if there would have been an argument. You know, it's, it's just kind of the business of it. You know what I mean? Um, and at a place like Oklahoma with how well they've been recruiting specifically that position, I think this is something that you're going to continue to see it's great because it brings the best out of people. And it's also great because it weeds out the guys who aren't going to be able to do it at a high level. I'm not right. saying Spencer hasn't been, but there's just, uh, I think Trevor brought a lot of really good points about how the team gravitated around Caleb. He kind of brings uh, a little bit new juice, a little bit new, just, it, it looks different. It feels different when you're watching them. Um, and I don't know what that is. That could be one of those intangible things. But the one thing I will say is, is managing that situation cannot be easy. And I will give right. a massive tip of my cap to Lincoln Riley because no that's, that's, it takes some stones to make that decision. Um, and it's paid off up until this point, you know, there's still some time left and, you know, TCU is not bad, but it's really paid off. I think the kids played fantastic tonight. Trevor, when, when we get down to the end, there's going to be six, seven, eight teams with a one loss record. There'd be a handful of teams that'd be bubble teams that are undefeated, but you're not pretty. Will this strengthen Oklahoma's campaign or their case to the committee when they get in now with this dude up front? I'm curious to see what Vegas now says going forward. They're still an undefeated team, but they have been like winning these split decisions. Come back last week, knockout. When they were down, they come back and have a knockout. Tonight looks like a knockout. Will this change their possible future in any case of a tie break with this rascal at the helm? 
You know, it's it's interesting. I think this year in college football, we've we've kind of, at least on this show over the last couple of weeks, identified Georgia as the premier top dog in college football to date, right? right. Well, they've got a plug-and-play quarterback, right? I mean, Stetson Bennett, uh, JT Daniels. I mean, whoever whoever's in there, they're going to roll. Uh, it's a similar type situation, I think, at Oklahoma because – to Hack's point of the way that they're recruiting at that position. It's like every other year, go grab the top guy. Next guy's up. If you're not playing the way that you're supposed to, even if you're the preseason all-world quarterback, the yeah. next guy's going to come in there and be able to produce. And then if you don't, then you don't play. So if Caleb Williams can continue on this trajectory under Lincoln Riley to hit on all cylinders – and play, like I mentioned before, like a seasoned veteran, I don't think it'll hurt their chances at all. I think it absolutely will strengthen it down the stretch. And, of course, if they go undefeated, they're going to be in the playoff anyways. If they have, a, you know, a, a slip-up game and are a one-loss team, a little bit different conversation. But at this point, ride with this guy, win out, and, and, and we'll see you at the playoff. Hey, Hack, I'm going to run their schedule down. Tell me when you see their, a scare in their schedule. Next week at Kansas, home against Texas Tech, at Baylor, November 20th, they host Iowa State. On November 27th, currently the number 12 ranked Oklahoma State team, and then they're in on into the Big 12 uh, championship and so on. Those last one, two, three, four, five games with only Oklahoma State sitting there are there any trap games? Is there any reason for anybody to come rushing to the screen to come, you know, wonder if this giant's going to wobble and fall or yeah. are they gone? Is this horse out of the gate now? I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination they're gone. To me, I don't think it's ever been a question offensively for Oklahoma. To me this year, their defense has been the big question mark for yeah. them. And the slugfest with Texas just – you, you can't consistently bank on being able to go down whatever they were down and storm back. It, it happens, but if that's your game plan, then it's going to catch up to you eventually. So for me, I think Baylor is a team that they played well today. They beat BYU. Um, if they can keep, keep building in the right direction, I think that's a team that could definitely give them a game. And I, I've been really impressed with Oklahoma State. Um, they've just kind of subtly done it you know, real quietly under the radar and no one's really talking about it, but um, they're getting it done. So I think those two games for me, just rattling off what you had were, were games that caught my eye and caught my attention. And I don't think it's, I don't think Oklahoma's out of it yet. I don't think they, they're, they're cruising like, like Bryce's boys up there in uh, Cincinnati are, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but um yeah, I, I, to me, I think it's more so the defense. Uh, their defense is 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 what is my question mark moving forward. I think offensively they'll be fine. Trevor, are, are, do you co-sign that with what Hack is saying? They're six and zero, ranked fourth. Very rarely does an, an undefeated team or a team that wins get jumped, unless they're in a, some back alley fight with 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 some bum they're not supposed to be in a back alley fight with. Kansas, Texas Tech at Baylor, Iowa State at Oklahoma State. If they get to 11-0, is it still nail-biting in Norman? Or book them. 
It'll be interesting. Um, I, I, I agree with Hack to an extent. Uh, through the first couple of games, it was the defense, which is very different to hear who was winning Oklahoma the football games, right? Spencer Rattler was not playing as well as he should have. They were nail biters. They were way too close of games to what we're used to. Um, our offensive firepower wasn't there. Texas game, I, I always kind of remove that one. Um, from from the rest of the schedule just because it's in the Cotton Bowl. It's a huge rivalry yeah. game. Uh, it, it's just different, right? Anything so, can happen. Yes, it, yeah, anything can throw, happen. Throw, exactly. throw everything out. Yeah. Throw everything out. Um, yeah. That being said, they still allowed 40-plus points, right? I mean, right. that's unacceptable. Yeah. And now you're watching this tonight, Max Duggan, and, and I know he's a gritty player. He's playing on an injury tonight, but he's still moving the ball relatively yeah. easily against that Oklahoma defense. So I think they're just unproven yet. Um, they've yeah. shown, I guess, highlights of, of being a little bit more stout than years past, but right. your point's still unproven, Hack. They've definitely got talent on that side of the ball. That's not an issue. I, what, what, what you were saying at the beginning of the year, they, they seem to I, – I don't know if they hit like a midseason lull or, or maybe some of that, some of that quarter – quarterback controversy leaked in the locker room or whatever but um yeah I, I don't think it's not for a lack of talent I just I just don't know what it is it just to your point there's been too many guys that have moved the football on them and when you're going and playing with the big dogs I think that's I think that's a tough task to have to go score 50 against the Georgia defense it's that's hard yeah I mean you look you look back at the you know the first game of the year to this point, we say that that Oklahoma's defense kind of got them through that game. But remember, Michael Pratt looked like a Heisman contender, yeah. Tulane's yeah. quarterback, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it, there there are some concerns there. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if they keep putting up points like this. You know, that's kind of been their story year in and year out for the past several years. And unfortunately, they get to that playoff game and they haven't been able to get over the hump not one time. Um, right. And so, you know, push comes to shove. The rubber's going to meet the road. They've got to put a whole game together and try and get over that hump. Right. Theoretically, if, if the playoffs started today, ranked fourth, well, they would bump up to three. They're looking at uh, who would be the number two team in the country. Well, I mean, it's Oklahoma or Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati. Got to be Cincinnati. And, yeah. So, yeah. And then – you know, does the committee keep teams? Because the committee doesn't always keep the top four of the top four. They may bring them all into the playoff. You could wind up playing in Alabama just to get to the championship and face a Georgia. And Trevor, just what you said, offensively, I don't even know what we're going to call the Georgia defense. If Bama is the Roman army, Georgia defense has earned. It's like Attila. The, I mean, it's it's the it's White like Walker. Attila the Hun, yeah, some, White Walker. That that is something because I mean, like they said, only dead men would go out there against them. All right, fellas, let's go now uh, to our our weekly ritual. For those of you guys just joining us, welcome. Those of you who have been with us, welcome back. Uh, each week we do a toast. We do a toast to our favorite moments, people, or things in college football. But we always start with the godfather of college football, uh, our ambassador, Coach Lee Corso. Uh, Coach, we saw you this morning. You went with the dogs. This is for you, sir. Let's go right to it. Hack, your toast of the day. Who you honoring? All right. I'm going to go with uh, 
I'm going to give a shout out to my, my, my co-podcast host, JP, for calling this with the Purdue upset. He called it this week on our podcast. I want to give a tip of the cap. And mm-hmm. also to uh, Rob and Dagan, two of our producers, for sharing this because I wasn't seeing it because I wasn't as active on social media. But my guy, Greg Long, slamming a Bud Light mid-game. With Fantastic. Feisty Absolutely Iowa iconic. Fan. Some feisty Iowa fan decides to chuck him a freaking uh, a, a, a rock hard freaking Bud Light, and he just he takes it like a champ, and it's a golden opportunity wow. to celebrate That's stomping dope. number two. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna join you, Bud. A little bit late, but I'm gonna join you. Trevor, well Knight. done there. So I, th- this may be the first time we've done this, but I'm going to repeat my toast. So and, be and I'm going to I'm going to relate it to it's like when you're growing out a nasty beard and your team's winning and you, you're just not going to cut it uh, at when things are going well. It's another Homer comment, but UTSA, my hometown, first time <laughs> in, in school history, moved to seven and oh, are they in the playoff conversation? Let's get them in there. Speaking of get- their record. They got a chance to run the table, seven and zero down in the Alamo Dome. Congrats! What's their what's their mascot? The Road Runners of sure. UTSA. The Road Runners, UTSA. And last but not least, my toast in the land of West Lafayette. A long time they got in there. They've been building. You're in the land of giants. It's the home of Drew Brees. My toast, head coach, and I know that had to be a hell of a ride home. Jeff Brom. Purdue going on the road and knocking the number two team in the country through the ropes. Purdue Boilermakers, boiler up. Coach Braun, Boilermaker. There we go. All right. So let's get our our big partner in here first. Uh, Before we move on, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up at Bet Rivers yet, now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require one play through to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new rush play instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable than ever before. With football season kicking off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or downloading it on your iOS app, Bet Rivers. Must be 21 year olds or 21 years old or older. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Now, there are some problems in college football, and the biggest one, let's go to it, is the Georgia defense. I think we should just start calling them the White Walkers. Fellas, they hosted one of my new favorite programs and one of my new favorite biker gangs, the Kentucky Wildcats. Sounds so strange. This year has been real strange. Real cool, but real strange. Kentucky at Georgia, second weekend in October, is a meeting of undefeated teams, Trevor. They go in with the White Walkers, break it down. What did you see? What did you love? Or is this what we expected? Nice job, Wildcats. Move along. You know, I I love the hype leading into the game. I love what Mark Stoops is doing at Kentucky. It's a basketball school, and he is turning it into an all-around sports school. Very, very fun to watch. That being said, Georgia is Georgia. Georgia is the juggernaut this year. They are the – what do you call them? The the White Walkers? White Walkers. They are the White Walkers. That defense is absolutely fantastic. 
holding Kentucky, who primarily kind of creates their identity in the run game, right, to 51 yards rushing today um, and just completely shut them down from start to finish. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Stetson Bennett, talented. Is he going to be in the Heisman talk? I don't think so. Three touchdown passes, really just a phenomenal game manager that doesn't make a lot of mistakes and takes what the defense gives him. Of course, it wasn't a super big blowout. It was a it was a big game. But Georgia, man, you are you are top of the college football world. I look forward to watching you stay there, um, and and we'll see you at the playoff. Just write the ticket now. Hack the White Walkers. They took on your fellow Nittany Lion. I know you know Will Levis. Yeah. Like what I, jumped out at you? I I'll tell you what, man. I I love the brand of football that that george is playing right now it's it's throwback it's vintage and if you're a ball guy you know they play gritty i mean it's hard to say gritty but that defense is just phenomenal they're they're gonna go down as one of the best ever in my opinion and then offensively like trevor was saying they, they haven't really gone out there and done a lot of uh, they haven't won flashy you know they're right. stenson 16 for 20 today for 250 and three touchdowns but they run the football they do their um, they, 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 they control the time of possession. They never hurt themselves. Uh, it's just it's just throwback, man. They, they, they pound the rock, they work off play action, they create shots from that. And that's why I said I think I think Georgia could win the national championship with 13 or JT pulling the trigger back there. Um, and that's that's I, I don't think you get to say that very often with teams, but I think it's a credit to Kirby and how he built that entire team. And you know, I, I, I agree with you, George. I think I think Kentucky's doing something really special down there. Um, it, it's cool to see the development of that program. But you asked me the question that was a week or two ago about you know what do you how do you how do you attack this Georgia team? And it's it's tough. They are they're like a, they're like the Spartan Phalanx formation, dude. They're they're impenetrable. They're awesome. So um, for me, watching it up into this point, they're they're leaps and bounds above a lot of teams in college football. So um, that's, that's just what, what it was. I thought Kentucky came out and gave it their best shot, but at the end of the day, it wasn't enough. I recorded, I recorded every bulldog game this year. The first one was just because it was a heavyweight fight, but I'm like, I don't think I've ever done this with college defenses just to watch this defense. They don't blitz that much. They still get pressure. It's always five plus around the ball. There is, there never really is like a, a solo tackle without three other heads coming in at the last minute. Nobody gets behind them. They don't have blown coverages. You can't really get to the edge. They, they are at the same time, awesome individually, but they're sound across the board. They don't have, you don't have to talk about makeup speed because they're not really getting beat. You, well, you can't really run uh, misdirection things because everybody on the backside's <laughs> home and scraping. They're sad. I don't know yeah. what you're going to do. Killer part is, Dagan, can you put that back up on the screen, the, the, the Georgia notes from this game? Something jumped out at me. Kentucky, only team in this gauntlet of teams that Georgia's played, Arkansas and the rest, Clemson, that scored two touchdowns against Georgia. They've given up three now this year. Kentucky. Now, yeah, we're talking about the White Walkers, but we're also talking about 
a, a very good job. It just didn't get the merits of a win today for that Kentucky staff and, and uh, Will Levis. He played out of his mind and still got rocked. They played out of their mind, and they'll keep on winning. This wasn't just a deal where they yeah. – you know, had, you know, had some kind of seance last night. They came, they brought it, and still got rocked. So we can look at the Georgia schedule going forward. But to ask you guys this, do you see them stumbling? Or can we go ahead with heavy pencil, put them in as possibly the one seed, certainly until we get to the SEC championship? I think it's it's as solid as a of a pencil in that we've had in in recent years in college football. I mean, just listening to you guys talk about it, sit back. It's the it's the same brand of football we talked about with Alabama as as of late, right? They're playing really good on defense. They don't make mistakes. They capitalize on your mistakes. I mean, it's like Kirby Smart is has finally gotten to the point where he's mimicked exactly what Nick Saban has done now for years, right? I mean, they, they really don't have much of a schedule yet. Their last two games are Charleston Southern and then, you know, Georgia Tech, right? So they've got a couple games left here. They go to Florida, they host Missouri, which that'll be a cakewalk. They go to Tennessee, and then it's and then it's these two kind wow. of games that finish up the year. So yeah. Uh, it, it pencil them in now, right? Um, yeah. It'll be a fun. It'll be a fun SEC championship game um, <laughs> with whoever comes out of the West. Obviously, I still think it'll be Alabama, but uh, you know, right now Georgia is is the team to beat, not only in the East, not only in the SEC, but in college football. And I think we've made that very clear. Hack, they're six and zero, and they've given up three touchdowns. Trevor just ran down the schedule with. Georgia Tech and who at the end? Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern. Over under seven and a half touchdowns. Georgia <laughs> gives up this year. They're at three right now through the home run through the home. Start. They're at they're at three, and they got Missouri, Florida. Florida. So, so I'm going to say Florida and Tennessee are probably the only two teams that are going to score on them. Mm-hmm. So what's that? Four and a half. You're giving us four and a half touchdowns between those two. Yep. Touchdowns yeah. now. I, I think I think they're gonna go under. I think they're gonna hold this. I think they're gonna hold them under 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 wow. seven and a half. Wow. I wonder what the all-time record is for fewest touchdowns in the modern era. Um so let's let's move now to the to the big game down in uh, Austin. Trevor, you were down there, Oklahoma State at Texas. Oklahoma State, are they underrated? Do we just not appreciate them or are we just just waiting for the rest of the season, kind of like what we did with Iowa, to come on and catch up. They did a nice job getting through the neighborhood, but as they cross the freeway, it feels like there's some semi-trucks they ain't getting past. But today they got past the Longhorns, who again gave up a double-digit lead. First time in 25 years, they gave up back-to-back blown double-digit leads. What You were there, atmosphere, the anticipation, thud. For the Longhorns. Yeah, it was it was a crazy atmosphere. I, I'd say kind of to start the game, the Texas faithful, they had some juice to them. They were excited. They came off of a, a really emotional loss the week before in the Cotton Bowl. But you saw a lot of great things out of Casey Thompson and that Texas offense. You've got the best running back in college football in B.J. and Robinson. 
who, again, was by far the best player on the field today. And it was it was very apparent. Um, but as the game went on, you know, they, they score pretty early, pretty often, uh, pretty good appetizing first half. They come out in the second half. Bijan Robinson scores, I think, from 30, 35 yards out. And then I, I, I need to go fact check it because I think they may have gotten one or two first downs the rest of the football game. Casey Thompson, non-existent, three and out after three and out. Oklahoma State didn't play all that well. I mean, Spencer Sanders can't get out of his own way. He has some bright spots. He makes some good plays, especially with his feet. But he is one of those guys that wow play into a what the heck was that type of play. He is that type of player to me. But what he did today was just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And so props to him for even though he made some good and bad plays, he had some juice behind him. He had he had the intent to go and kill at the end of the game. And Texas had an opportunity to go down uh, two different times at the end of the game to either tie it or, or go down and, and win the football game, essentially. And you just saw timidity out of Casey Thompson and that offensive line. And, and really just the whole staff. Um, we've talked about it a lot on our podcast. It goes much further than what the product is on the field at this point. And I think Steve Sarkeesian seeing that now, that it's not even his cultural issue. It's a maybe even an athletic department cultural issue with the way that they're handling things there in Let's Austin. Let's go to that. Walk us through that for those of us on the outside. Yeah. Hack, East Coast, I'm West Coast. You're in the heart of it. We've heard about that a lot. At the end of the Mac Brown era, country club. They get all these pretty kids in all these gold trim buildings, and they get knocked out. Yep. And they've had a couple different coaches. Charlie Strong, defensive-minded. Uh, Tom Herman, very successful. Both of those two have won national championships as coordinators. Could not really get these guys off the mat. If you're saying it's beyond the football department, up to the athletic department, walk us through – like, like fly us through that building and point out what it is you're seeing or what you have heard. Well, th that, that was a great way to describe it, the country club mentality. In my opinion, and I get nervous about this for one of my alma maters, Texas A&M, you can't band-aid issues with throwing money at something, right? I mean, mm -hmm. at some point, you've got to peel back the layers and say, look, Look to the guy, look to the guy to your right, look to the guy to your left and say, hey, we're going to take away any of this ego. We're going to take away all the history of these walls and we're going to start from scratch. You got to line up from the, the guy across from you and you've got to beat him one on one and you got to not let the guy next to you down. And I just think they keep masking all these issues with throwing money at stuff. And it starts from the top and trickles downhill. You guys know any successful team, they've got great leadership at the top. And that permeates all the way down to your equipment manager, right? Everybody feeds off of that energy. And I'll say this too. It's not just the administration, the coaching staff, the strength staff, or the players. It is also the Texas fan base and the Texas donors who put way, way, way too much um, pressure on their coaching staff, on their players, because of the history of that program. You are the University of Texas, but guess what? Just like Spencer Rattler lost his job, you can also lose your prowess if you don't handle yourself the right way and respect the game from start to finish. So they've got to really just take a step back from 
every angle and start from the beginning, in my opinion. Indeed. Trevor Knight, you can find him. Trevor, shout out your your Twitter so so all the Longhorn fans know right where to go. Shout your Twitter out. Trevor underscore night nine. Follow me up. Hit me up. Let's go. Let's go to town, baby. There there you go. (laughs) Man, that, that was a biblical breakdown hack. I don't even know what to say. Follow. Yeah. What else? What else? What else? You (laughs) broke it down. (laughs) But but I'm just. Go ahead, Hack. That always looks at it like, hey, you know, Texas has more oil money than they can even think of, and that's just what it's always been. Texas can always fix issues and and fix issues with that. That's always been, again, just an East Coast guy's thought process on it. And I think Trevor, you explained it beautifully. It's it's. That program was built on blue collar, blue, you know, yeah. hard nosed type foundations, and they reached a level and got complacent. Yep. They said so what kills me is that Baylor got off the mat twice. They got off the mat with Matt Rule. Now they, they're getting back up off the mat with Coach Aranda. SMU up off the mat, making as much noise as they possibly can. AM, they got up, they were rolling with Coach Sumlin. Then they wobbled some, got right back up with uh, Coach Jimbo Fisher, and then they're knocking out number one, two, three teams in the country. If you look at that state, everybody's drawn from the same pool of players. All those players grew up wanting to be a Longhorn. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. All those assistant coaches have thought about one day walking through the tunnel uh, at 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 Texas stadium, wearing the polo as the head coach, everybody wants to be there. But like you said, the custodians of this great iconic place with all these iconic hall of fame players. I mean, it, I, I don't understand it. And then when they made the move to the sec, they wanted to go to the sec. They snuck in there in the middle of the night, put the sign up. Yo, we're in here. Welcome. Whatever. First, their first dance with an SEC team was an Arkansas team that beat the shit out of them. And that Arkansas team, even though it's up and coming and everybody's cheering for them, will wind up in the middle of the pack in the SEC. And they got knocked out. They got knocked out by a middle-of-the-road SEC program. This is going to be fascinating. Now let's jump to another big knockout. I'm curious to see what you guys think. Hack, I'm going to go with you first on this one. Yeah. So – your alma mater, my dark horse, last week, Penn State, goes to Iowa, handling business. The starter gets knocked out. They battled still, battled, scratched. Iowa pulls away with it and jumps to number two in the country. And I kept thinking all week, where are all the other programs where Iowa can get up to two? So Purdue comes into town this week. I'm sure all the tailgaters had all their finest meats and cheeses. We're going to knock these guys out and get on the number one. And it goes the other way. Your impressions of Jeff Brom, Purdue, they used a two quarterback system today and it yeah. wasn't even close. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I love that Aiden O'Connell kid. Um, I think his story walk on grinding. He's, I think, I think the guys play for him and he played fantastic today. Um Ultimately, it just goes back to everything that I've said about Iowa up until this point. I think offensively, they're not built to ever be in a track meet with anybody. No. Defensively, Riley Moss wasn't playing. They had another uh, corner go down. So the secondary got a little thin. 
and uh, David uh, David Bell took advantage of it. And when you are the number two team in the country, in my eyes, you can't be that deficient on one side of the ball as they are. And I'm speaking of their offense. Uh, and, and I think Purdue was the first team this year to go in there, play sound, not shoot themselves in the foot mm-hmm. and keep slugging. And they were able to, they were able to get up and Iowa was never able to fast track back because they weren't in control. They didn't control the narrative. They can't offensively. They're not built to be able to get back into that position. They have to be in that position from the jump. If they are, they're going to be in it. But if you start pulling away, you hit them in the mouth two or three times. I don't, they, they, they don't have the explosiveness to do it. There's so much, there's such a strong dependency on their run game and manufacturing shots off the play action to create explosives because they can't create a ton of separation on the outside. That, that was just the story of the game. And it's a huge, huge tip of the cap to Purdue. They just didn't shoot themselves in the foot, came in with a great plan and executed. TK, when you've been on all sides of the spectrum, you both have. You've been on all sides of the spectrum. You've been a giant slayer. You've been the giant and been knocked out. You're in the Iowa football building. You're number two in the country at the halfway pole. You can see the finish line, and you're in front of Alabama. You're in front of Clemson. You're in front of the, the whole the group of five. I mean, the whole uh, – what do we call those guys? The five, the five families. families. You're in front of all – you're in front of four of the five families. At two – Home against Purdue. How devastating. How dev- And you're healthy. At home. How devastating is this in Iowa City tonight, no matter what role you play in that football program? It's incredibly devastating. And I'll relate it to, to my senior year when we were at Texas A&M. Very similar start, right? Had a bunch of big wins on the road in the SEC to get the year going. Uh, we were 6-0. and we go to Alabama, lose, uh, but they still we, – we come back and beat, like, New Mexico State or something. So, we're 7-1 and one going to the first college football playoff rankings of the year. They put us at number four. That just hadn't happened in a while around Texas A&M, right? Similar to this situation. I think that a lot of guys, myself included, in the locker room were so excited for that mm-hmm. that we lost sight just ever so slightly of the task at hand. And we go to Mississippi State, who that year was the bottom team in the West, and absolutely lay an egg. Lose, end up eight and five season, completely derailed. You know, you go from hero to zero very, very quickly. Um, and that's what you saw in this game. And I'll just say this, Hack, you, you mentioned it a little bit, but you throw four interceptions, you turn the ball over that much, you're not going to win football games. I mean, that goes back to Wee, right? Yeah. Take care of the football, run high and tight, and don't throw it to the other team. As simple football one-on-one as it gets, I don't think they were bigger than the moment. To me, watching some of the highlights, right, it just looked like one of those nightmare-type games like we had at Mississippi State where it's like you almost blink and the game's over and, and you just could never find your footing. So it's a tough break there for Iowa. Um, you know, we'll see how they respond. I hope they respond better than we did that year and go and, and kind of win some games down the stretch. But it is certainly a possibility to completely derail what could be a really special season for your program. Go ahead. Uh, I, 
I will say this too. It was it was the the perfect example of a trap game as well. I mean, you come off a huge win against Penn State. Everyone's up. Purdue rolls. You rush in. the field. Yeah, it, it was just it was it was almost too perfect of a setup when you, when you talk just classic trap games and they fell into it. And I think just to piggyback off what you were saying, Trevor, for Iowa, they have everything in front of them still. I mean, the West in the Big Ten is right. not very yeah. strong. They're still going to have a chance to go play in the Big Ten championship game. And and we were kind of talking about this before the show. I, it, as strong as the East is in the Big Ten, whoever wins the Big Ten is going going to the college football playoff. Um, and, and hack to your so point, they still got a shot. There isn't another Big Ten West team ranked in the top forty. No. That, no. So there's five Big Ten teams ranked in the top ten, which at home is the first time ever. Twenty three times it's been like that with the SEC. Just for those who go back and forth, twenty three times the SEC has held half of the top ten spots. This year, this moment right now is the first time the Big Ten has had five. Four of those are in the Big Ten East. So to Hack's point, Iowa holding it at two, renting it at two, is the only team on that side. Nebraska in the wilderness. Minnesota, mouthpiece knocked out. Northwestern can't really stand up. Illinois, no fight, no dog. Like go all through that whole side of the conference. It's like it's, it's just pavement on that side mountains on the east side and then there we are go ahead hack i just want to just illuminate that point no i mean there's you you did a perfect job it's 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 middle america all those programs struggle recruiting because they are competing with those mountains on the east who have access to the same recruiting pools and i don't know who wouldn't want to go to ohio state or michigan or penn state or michigan state as opposed to going out and hanging out in the middle of Iowa. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's tough. And that, that side, it, it, I think it plays into Iowa's favor to be able to recover a little bit better than, than your situation, Trevor, being down in the SEC, but it's, it's, that, it's that a little bit That being said, though, that being said, you look at our season that year, and, and granted, we still had LSU on the calendar, and they were great that year. We ended up losing that game. But prior to that, I got hurt in that Mississippi State game. We play my guys down in San Antonio, UTSA, and beat them by like eight points at home. Yeah. And then we host a very, very pedestrian Ole Miss team. Shea Patterson plays his first football game of his career and looks like Johnny Football out there beats us at home. And it's, it was just a stunner. So to my point earlier, yes, it, it, do they have an opportunity to still get back on track Win, win their side of the conference, win the conference as a whole, go to the playoff. Absolutely. Those conversations were had with us too, but they can yeah. very easily also get derailed and, and send this thing straight into the toilet if they don't, if they don't watch it, right? So yep. there was a hero today in Iowa City. Uh, it was a, a warlord who went in there from the edge. Very oftentimes can you see a receiver take over a game David Bell did do that. So first, let's just raise a toast to David Bell, wherever you are. We hope you into something fantastic, sir. But our own Christian Hackenberg had a chance to visit with the game hero after the game today. Let's take a look. 
All right, dude, keep it light, keep it easy. So, listen, man, first off, how you guys feeling? Um, massive, massive for you guys. Uh, I think it's think it's really good for the program. So, how you guys feeling? Talk talk me through it. We're feeling great. You know, we, we owe this win to the program, uh, not only the program, but obviously the university as a whole. You know, they stuck behind us to, through the tough losses that we had through these past years that I've been here. And this is for the fan base. Right, right. That's huge. So, and then you obviously had a huge game. You had a big day. Kind of talk me through that. What what was what was clicking? Um, I'm a huge fan of your quarterback. I think the kid's really special. Um, so so talk to me. Uh, talk to me about that. What was clicking? What was going on for you guys today specifically with with you and him? Uh, I think we were just locked in together. You know, early this week we watched them together uh, to see what the defense was doing and trying to pick up on some signals. But I just think that we both wanted to win and it showed today. Right. So the other thing is, is I've I've done a deep dive and I've talked about how beatable Iowa is and, and kind of the keys to beating them. Take me through this week. What was your preparation like? What was the coaching staff preaching about maybe some tendencies or some opportunities that you guys could exploit that ultimately led to you guys having a big game? Uh, I think the number one thing is just ball control, uh, not turning over the ball, because obviously they have 16 uh, interceptions. They create a lot of turnovers. So that was just the main focus throughout the week was taking care of the ball and scoring in the red zone. Uh, the past few weeks, we weren't able to score in the red zone, but we knew that we knew that we can move the ball on them. We just knew that we just have to play our game and take all the easy shots uh, when they're available and, and try not to force anything. Right. That's awesome. All right, so, so what's the locker room like, man? Your boy uh, – I saw your boy Greg Long got a head start. What a courtesy of some of those Iowa fans. They threw him a Bud Light on the field. So what's it like? Where are the guys, how are the guys feeling? What are you guys doing now? Uh, we feeling we feeling phenomenal, but we really want to wait to get back home and celebrate with the fans. You know, of course we want to go out, have a good time, but we're definitely gonna be safe. That's awesome, man. Hey, congratulations. A huge win, dude. Um Thank happy you. for you guys. Keep it going. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep. Great job by Christian Hackenberg there, Hack, and uh, our man David Bell. One more time, big toast. David Bell and his teammates woke up with a plan, executed said plan, and I hope you guys are somewhere in sleepy West Lafayette. Something cold to sip on, your buddies around you. Uh, so let's go through the best of the rest. The Fighting Bryce Petties today, Cincinnati Bearcats took care of easy business with UCF, Michigan State, in a, we're in Big Ten season now, so it's not going to be a whole lot of jabs. They exchanged some body blows. They out, they they bested Indiana. They took care of business, undefeated now. The state of Michigan remains undefeated. And Alabama is back to doing Roman Army type things. Of those three teams, Bearcats, Wolverines, and the Tide, Trevor, most impressive win today or most meaningful win today? You know, I, I think just to echo off of what we've talked about a lot on this show tonight, a team and a culture that understands how to get back on track, and that's Alabama. Yeah. They went down to College Station last week. They got hit in the teeth. It was a, a, a horrible, horrible loss um, for their program, for their their, their plan for their whiteboard that they're checking off each and every week on the way to the SEC title game. Um, but what they did is they came out and said, hey, that doesn't define who we are as a team, as a program, as a locker room. Uh, we are still the guys. We are still the standard. And we're going to prove that 
this week because it's the next jersey across from us and it's the next opportunity. So uh, that showed me a lot. And that should show the rest of the country a lot as well how to respond when you get kicked in the teeth, right? Hack, I agree with you, Trevor. Hack, most impressive win of those three guys today, Cincinnati, Michigan State, Alabama. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's Alabama bouncing back. Uh, but I also, you know, I think Michigan State showed some things as well. That team has rolled the past few weeks and having some troubles, turning the ball over a little bit, and still being able to 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 pull one out. I think is good for Mel rolling into this buzzsaw of the last four four or five weeks of the Big Ten, which is going to be really fun to watch. You know, I think. I think Michigan State's got to buy, and then they go to Michigan, and then it starts. You know, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State all play each other in the last five weeks. So it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to sort ask, a lot of things out. Let me ask the two of you, when's the last time Alabama lost back-to-back games? You guys know? I think it was Anybody 2007. Know? Wow. You're on your game. My man did his homework. 2007 is the last time a Saban-led team, Alabama, has lost back-to-back games. So from my perspective, you could have chalked this one up. Anybody in Vegas could have walked into the sports book sideways, looking out of the looking like disheveled, all the club grit on him, and laid that one down. He would have won that. Cincinnati is under, they're in a beauty pageant now. They're not so much in a gauntlet. They're in a beauty pageant. All the numbers have to say. Knockout. Nobody's going to care how they do it, what how, what method, whatever it is. At the end of the day, rent is due, and their rent is in, inflated more than any other team right now because they're going up against perception. For my purpose, Michigan State, uncharted waters, like a, a, a horrible, long, very bad, no good season last year, but they were cutting their teeth, laying the foundation. Here we are again now six weeks into the season undefeated and they look like they've been there no last second field goals no smoke and mirrors no trickery the other team's quarterback has been in every single ball game they're just executing so that's been impressive can we switch channels here can we switch channels Dagan has a trivia question uh ask for the people on social media for those of you guys who are rolling with us we gotta we gotta we got a uh, we got a question here. What team currently holds a longer home winning streak than Cincinnati? Are, are we going to take a shot at that, Dagan, or do we want people tweet us your answer here at the field of twelve? Tweet us your answer at the field of twelve. Here we're going to go for a little while longer, and then uh, I think Dagan's got like a half a million dollar prize for the winner coming from Dagan Hughes. <laughs> Hurry and hustle and get in there on that. Fellas, can we talk Heisman? Can we talk Heisman? I want to float two concepts, and they're both off the wall, but I feel near. they're both near and dear to me. First of all, can a player who's only played the second half of the season win a Heisman trophy, and can a unit, can we finally now in 2021 invite an entire unit to New York to sit with their coordinator and all of them just get a mini replica of the Heisman. Obviously I'm talking about Caleb Williams, 
Cool. If they run the table, we went, we, we dissected Oklahoma front to back. They're going to run this thing. And now they're coming in there with a big old Billy club that they did not have before just in persona. And he's going to handle his business. He, the Heisman will go before the playoffs. So we won't even see what happens in the playoffs. Really, it's going to be decided after his first, these next five games. Caleb goes in. He's a big-time player. They're going to be on national TV, probably primetime every night. We're all going to watch it. And we've seen Heisman's won in the last two, three, four weeks. You guys know that. Or could we see a unit? If the Georgia Bulldogs execute Christian Hackenberg's plan under seven and a half touchdowns, Give in an 11-game run in the SEC, what are we talking about? The average fan at home still can't name three starters on that team, which I think is on the defense, which I think is the most beautiful. We know the backup quarterback. You don't yeah. know the D tackle. You don't know the wheel backer. You don't know the field corner. Can, which one or both could we get in December? I'm just going to toss this up. I it, that's a great point. You know, I'm I'm just sitting here kind of reflecting in my head on past Heisman winners and it, it in recent history for sure start to finish of the year you're seeing Heisman moment after Heisman moment you're having the entire country regardless where your allegiances stand tuning into their games because they're just fun to watch right yeah. that's the Baker Mayfields and you know, now in, in NFL football, that's the Pat Mahomes. Everybody wants to watch the Chiefs to see if he's going to throw another pass with his left hand and so on and so forth, right? right? We don't have that guy this year. We've got a group of guys that are playing good football. We don't have that guy where I'm like, hey, sorry, guys, can't, can't hang out, whatever. I got to watch this game because this guy is incredible to watch. The only group we are talking about is that Georgia defense. It's not going to happen, obviously, but it, it – there is not a clear-cut Heisman frontrunner, in my opinion, and I don't even know if I could make a list at this point. That's fair. Hack, how smart or, or like PR savvy or marketing or anything would it be to bring the entire unit of Georgia? And again, the Heisman will be decided before we get to the playoffs. So they handled all regular season business in a way that no team has done before, no unit. And then you bring on this megawatt, like college football is a TV show if we really break it down. And the biggest star showed up halfway through the season series. And everybody, like Trevor saying, is clamoring to get to the, to the screen to come see him. Can those 11 sit next to him and you can throw anybody else? It's got to be probably Bryce Young. I can't even, like Trevor said, make a list. Can we do this? If you're the commissioner of the Heisman or the president or chairman, I don't even know what the name, the czar, would you do this? Yeah, so 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 I'll, I'll tag Georgia first. That would be incredible. And at least these guys, these guys got to get a 30 for 30 or something done on them because it, 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 it is going to be, or at least it's shaping up. You know, there's still football left and, and no one can predict that, but it's shaping up to be historical. Um so that I think that would be a pretty cool moment. Take an individual award, give it to an entire unit, and and make a statement like that. But now, with uh, with Caleb, it's just hard for me. I think I think you said it. I think Bryce Young, and it, and I feel bad. I should have done a little bit more homework with this, but I just heard the stat. Bryce Young is playing 
phenomenal football right now. And yeah, they got the loss. I mean, it's, it's insane. And, and you've said it before, you know, he's, he's, he's driving the most badass tank on the planet, but he's driving that badass tank better than anybody else um, has ever done it. So he's doing a great job, especially for a true freshman coming in there and and doing that at a place, a place like Alabama, the expectations and and how saving coaches it. So I think it's going to be hard to do, a kid who comes in halfway through the season when you have a guy like Bryce Young who's done it week in, week out. Yeah, he's got a lost AM, but the kid still played. His 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 depth of work is is much longer and deeper. Uh, I think another kid, CJ Stroud, um, you know, he he's I know they were off this week, but CJ played fantastic the last two weeks. And uh you know, I think he's really starting to hit his stride. He had some moments early on where he played well, even that Oregon game. I think he still threw for 450. And he, to me, has the most chances out of anybody yes. prior to championship, yes. prior to uh, conference championship and playoff than anybody else to have those Heisman moments against Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State because they got all three of them here in the last the last half of the season. So, uh you know, I think I think how Caleb's playing and the, the attention he's getting is only going to set the expectations higher for him next year, which will be fun to watch him chase it because whatever we had for Spencer Rattler, it's going to be 10 times that moving forward with him. So it's going to be cool seeing that for him. Trevor, that, so going right off of Hack's point, because Hack did point out something that I obviously missed. Bryce Young is a freshman. Mm. Like, he walks last year. Stroud watched last year. You can say all you want about being in those organizations, but as you too know, you really don't know what it's like 30,000 feet up until you're in the pilot seat. Flying doesn't make us a pilot. You got to be behind the wheel to be right. flying this thing. And, and Hack, you're right. He is leading the Roman army, but I saw a breakdown today. He's in his historical era. Yeah, it's where, same, it's like I saw the same one. It's sick. only six quarterbacks in like the last fifty years have done what Bryce has done in touchdowns, passing efficiency, uh, and I think like a completion percentage. Six. I would have been curious, Hack, if they told us what happened to the other uh, other five or six. Yeah. In in terms of their relationship with the Heisman. So Trevor, if we go Stroud, Caleb, Superman, Williams as he notes himself, Bryce Young, set the Bulldog defense aside, is Matt Carell or anybody else within a, a, a dark horse's reach of crashing this party, or is that probably our three? I think the only dark horses here are somebody that's not leading their team to the playoff, somebody that, you know, is a Bijan Robinson, right? I mean, he's – He's clearly one of the best players in college football, but because they aren't running through their schedule and going to be in the media at the end of the year and all that, he's, he's going to get overlooked. Um, does he deserve to be there? I, th- I think so at this point in the year. I mean, again, watching him today, he, he was by far the best player on that football field. But so let's go to that. Who are you going to take out? So you could add him, but they really only add – they invite the number of guys until there's a statistical drop-off. So yep. three guys tight, three go. Five tight, five go. But even in today's game, Oklahoma State's back had 193 yards on the, in the game. Yeah. Bijan may be the, the 
the marquee name. He may be the most NFL, uh, most attractive player. But the running back on the other side of the field had 50 more yards rushing than he yep. did. Yep. Who, so the killer part for me, he is a he is a, a megawatt talent. Andrew Luck didn't go to the Heisman. I mean, he didn't win the Heisman ever. There's a, a bunch of megawatt talents that didn't win. Texas is going to get rocked and rolled the back half of the season. Like, unless they have some kind of like, they need to do a seance or something for the back half of, of, of their year. They got both quarterbacks struggling. Defense is trying to figure itself out. Back-to-back double-digit losses. He's in that mix. It's hard to get him off that ship and get him to New York. Yep. Ship is sailing, you ride. Ship takes on water, you take on water. How is he going to unseat? As you guys both said, C.J. Stroud, all all his big prime time heavyweight showdowns are in front of us. Caleb Williams merely has to run the table, but he's going to be leading Sports Center for the next four or five Saturdays. We're all going to be tuning in to see what he's doing. And then Bryce Young, the Roman Army is coming back. You you know they're going to come rolling right back. Where is Bryce Young going to find some? I mean, where is B. John Robinson going to find room in here? Trevor he's not. He? He's not. I'm fishing for it, right? And, and yeah. I think that you made a great point. It irks my spirit to look back at past Heisman races and see some of the names that did not hoist that trophy. Yeah. Vince Young, Andrew Vince, yeah. Luck, Adrian yeah. Peterson. Yeah, These are guys that completely took over college football and still didn't win it. This right. year, we're sitting here talking about, okay, Bryce Love, right? He, he's the clear-cut clear, clear frontrunner, right, because of what he has done. You mean Everybody else after that. You mean Bryce Young, down, yeah. Bri- yes, I'm sorry. Everybody else besides that, has, it, it, we're, we're fishing for it, right? right? Yeah. Not to mention those three guys are all freshmen. So where are the upperclassmen? Where's the yeah. lack of talent in these past couple of years, right? Um, it, so, it, it's, an, it's an interesting deal. Maybe we're just one of those lulls where these younger guys will come up and, and be kind of our next class of superstars. But uh, it's a tough year to analyze it for sure. It, so one of those front runners is watching the rest of the season. And Rattler, there's one. Another one of those, quote, older players, semi-older players, DJ, is just struggling to – I mean, he's just struggling to kind of like – And then a, here's, another – go ahead. Well, here, here's the – go ahead. A, go another ahead, one is Clifford. You and I have talked about this before. Yeah. Cliff is playing great ball. It's just not – it's not highlight leadoff yeah. worthy. Not sexy. It's, yeah, yep. but he's playing yeah. great ball. If I'm leading a set of troops and we're going from village to village to village, knocking folks out, we go on the road at Iowa, we're winning. I get knocked out. We lose. That shows you my value to the program. And it also shows you how good we are when I'm with our program. Yeah. How come he got no love? Yeah. Well, so I, I can't answer that. But what I will say is, is going back to what we were talking about, how we have these three Heisman front runners right now, and they're all freshmen. I think that's a product of, of, of this reality TV show that we're living in now, George, though, is, is the time frame that these kids have now has gotten so crunched because you're expected to go and play. And once you're eligible, you're going to the NFL, you're gone. So you're no longer seeing this developmental path 
where you're going to have a guy like Matt Leinart who's going to be there for four years right. and play, and he's going to be able to make a run at this Heisman for every year. three years, four years out of it. No, nah, like these kids, I mean, you know, you redshirt, you play as a redshirt freshman, you get two seasons to go try and win a Heisman because then everyone's going to be expecting you to go and take a, take a big pay, you know, big pay bump. So the time frame and the expectations, the media, the fans, the our society has put on these kids, I think it's almost tailored it to these young kids because the coaches are pushing mm-hmm. them out there. Yeah. Everyone's putting them out there because it's like, listen, this kid can be this kid can be a top five pick. I'm playing yeah. him and I'm gonna ride with him. And now you're just seeing that that time and that growth and that development and depth in terms of upperclassmen. If you're an upperclassman, it's because it's because you probably didn't play your first two or three years. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So if that, I think that's, I think that's an interesting take on how this Heisman's gotten and, and just the race and the way we're talking about it and just the whole landscape of college football. That's a good point. And to your, to that point, we had five kids go first round last year, quarterbacks. Only one was a senior. And that was Mac Jones who watched his first three years. Fellows, let's now move and, and great conversation about, the new landscape that we're dealing with. Yes, that's the landscape, but yes, that's a tip of the cap. These three rascals aren't even eligible to sit down at their local college bar and enjoy a spirit, but they can lead uh, a superpower program. Let's go now. Uh, We ask you guys for some questions all day long. Our producer, Dagan Hughes, has a question for us. Uh, We want to hear from you, so we're going to rattle a couple of questions. Why do you or who do you guys think is going to represent the Big Ten East after this coming week? I'm going to just throw it up there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll jump first. I think I think it's if Clifford's healthy, Penn State's got a chance to run. I think that defense is really, really good. I think I or Ohio State's still gettable because of their defense but they're still showing they're showing a lot of signs of improvement they've scored on defense the past few weeks and those are big momentum shifting plays and offensively they're just getting better and better I think Michigan I don't think they have that knockout power offensively they're a more talented Iowa I think that they have the ability to mm. run a track meet if need be but mm. I don't know if they're built to run with an Ohio State, Correct. if Ohio State says, "Listen, we're going to turn this into a hundred meter dash. Let's see, let's let's see who's got." I, like it. I don't that. think they're built like that. So um, to, to that point, real quick, that track meet aspect for those of you at home or at your salon or, or the it's ladies' night or the tailgate or whatever it is, that track meet aspect is key. A lot of teams can get a lead and just strangle and suffocate you. Put you in a figure four hold on, and that's it, submission hold. Those same teams, if you flip them over and you're up a score or two, they cannot come back on. It's just like Iowa is one of those teams. They can't sprint. They cannot run you down. Some programs at Ohio State, Alabama, there's a few other ones. Being up three touchdowns on them is not safe. It's just not, honestly, it's not safe. 10, 12 minutes left in the game, you're still all buckled in finish hack. I just wanted people to understand the distinction of that ability to quote unquote, run a track meet, get chunk plays, quick scores and have, you got to have home run hitters yeah. on your, on your team bus to go do something like that. Yeah. And I think Michigan lost their home run hitter week one. Um, 
at least outside. Uh, and then I think Michigan State, I don't know if they're there. Yet. I think today kind of being in a, in a boxing match and, a, and a, taking it the length with Indiana, you know, Penn State blanks them, whoever else, they, they beat them pretty handily. I was kind of struggling. I don't think they're there yet. I think it's awesome what they're doing. I think they're building. I think it's great, but uh, I don't think they're there yet. So for me, realistically speaking, as long as Clifford's healthy, I think it's going to come down to Penn State, Ohio State, and then I think either of those teams beat Iowa, a fully healthy Penn State and, 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 a, and, a, and a Ohio State, the way they're playing right now, beats Iowa. So I think it's one of those two teams ultimately representing the Big Ten. Trevor, what's your crystal ball tell you? Yeah, that? I, I'll echo that. And, you know, I, I, I think I've said it before. I'm a Big 12 and an SEC guy. I stay in my region of the country. I look at the Big Ten and, and see that brand of football and realize that I would have gotten crunched if I played in that in that region of the world. Uh, just wasn't cut out for it. That being said, this has been the most exciting Big Ten football that I've ever watched because we have this race going on, right? I mean, you've got three or four teams, to your point, Hack, that could come out on top there in the East. And, uh, and so that – on Saturday is, is what I'm looking for. Who's beating up on who? I'm checking the schedule during the, the middle of the week to see which game I'm going to watch that weekend in the Big Ten. That's what you want from a conference, right? That's what you want in college football because that means that you've got good talent across the board um, from these teams. That being said, I'll still lean on the fact that even though it's been a couple years, the teams that have been there and done it before, and I'm going to point out Ohio State, They've been to the playoff, right? They, they've mm -hmm. been in the big games. They've run the conference. They just have a little bit of edge in that cultural ability to get over the hump. will give them a little bit of an advantage. I'm not saying that they're going to be the team that's going to come out of there. I'm not saying that Penn State isn't going to go and, and you know, um, uh, be the team out of the East. I'm just saying that that gives them a little bit of a competitive advantage because they have been there before as a program in recent history. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Ohio state, uh, but I, I, I really like your analysis hack. I think that it's, uh, it's still way up in the air. Yep. We have another question. Uh, Dagan Hughes from the people. We're ready for question number two. If Cincinnati goes unbeaten, are they automatically in the playoffs? Obviously, I put automatically in there. And same for Wake Forest. I think Ooh. I'm curious to get your opinion. Cincinnati, because they started at seven. They had a brutal last three weeks. Handle business. Wisconsin, Indiana, Notre Dame, which in any other years may not be murderers row, but that's – that's certainly yeah, a, a small row, maybe. <laughs> and they get through there, right? It's it's a first, it's a more than a misdemeanor row. They get through all three of those. So they got a case. They've been hanging around. The committee has Cincinnati in their mindset. What happens if Wake Forest runs the table and knocks? I don't even know how the ACC is structured. I don't even know who they play, North Carolina or something like that. Or if they beat Clemson. 10-7, basically how Clemson's been playing with a field goal. Crown them ACC champions. Where's our spot? Who goes? Who goes? And that's going under the assumption two of the five families go. We know who those at. Those are Georgia and Bama. The Big Ten champ is going to go. And then you got potentially an undefeated Oklahoma. 
Cincinnati that goes undefeated runs the table. The ACC, I mean, it's a graveyard this year, but somebody had to come stumbling out of there. What happens? What happens? And well, we've to, always- man's, to UK Knight Ted, 74, he, he really wants to know about Cincinnati and Wake Forest, but what happens if these two mow their way on through there? You know, initial thought to me, if I just take a step back and I, let's say I'm not into, into anything, any analysis, anything like that, right? But I look at my ESPN app week in and week out. It's been cool to look at it and say, oh, there's Cincinnati playing. Doesn't matter who it is. They're jumping ahead pretty quickly and, and pretty often, right? Um, that's cool to see that out of them. So they've received a lot of attention. But that being said, they're not power five. So now we look at Georgia, Alabama going. If you so wait, got an undefeated, that matter? Oh. So that to that point, they're not power five. They weren't power five to start the year. I don't even know why we break them then if they're not if knowing they're not power five, why let them in the lobby? Why let them get on the elevator? Why let them get into all these fights? The, the other point yep. is is I don't even know if I'd consider the ACC power five right I, now. Agreed. The way that they're playing. Agreed. So, so <laughs> I mean, you've yeah. had Clemson come out of there the last several years, which has put a Band-Aid over it. But they're a wait, shadow of what they uh, – You're going to see – what. here's what I predict. For the first true time, you're going to have to see the committee, at least for the fourth spot, pick the best team, Right. Oh, Even if, if it's an undefeated Oklahoma, it's an undefeated Wake Forest, that's two Power Five conference winners. You know, Oklahoma's been there before, but they've never gotten over the hump. They've struggled in a lot of pedestrian games. And then you've got this Cincinnati juggernaut, if you will, and I'll call them that because they're beating up on folks. They're going to have to pick the best team from, it, from those three if that's the way that it plays out. So it's to that point, Ben, in my mind, it's the number two team in the Big East or it's the number two team in the SEC West. If you want to be all the way honest and real about it. I agree. All the rest of this stuff is just just because you come from a different neighborhood. This neighborhood has five killers. Yep. You might live in a, in a nursing home village. Just because you're the badass coming out of there. Hard to say. Boy, that's hard to say. Great. Thank you, UK Ted or UK Night Ted 74. Dagan, we're ready for round three. All right. Boy, this is a big one. My man, Jonathan, you guys top 10. We could probably go top five because the other ones didn't really play this week. Your Heisman favorites. We touched on that. We'll circle back. And which teams will separate themselves in the next few weeks? Let's go to number three first. Hack, we'll start with you. The next couple of weeks, I mean, this is going to be whatever is above must-see TV, it's going to sit up there. All the Titans come together. The teams that you see will be separating themselves these next few weeks looks like what? I hate to beat a dead horse, but as I said, I mean, you have – you had five teams in the top ten that were Big Ten East representatives <laughs> – so, I, I mean, I think that – and they all – they all – well, the, four of the five were Big Ten East, Iowa being the other Big Ten team that wasn't in the East. But the, the four in the East are all playing each other in yep. the next five weeks. So, 
I think it's hard to even give it to anybody else at that point. Uh, because when you look at it, Alabama's not going to see Georgia until the SEC championship game. Right. Um, I can't even I can't even think of any other like marquee matchups that are going to be big within a top five or meaningful within a top five. Um, so that's that's where I'd go with it. I'd just go to the Big Ten East, and and you're looking at the Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State because it's it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be good for college football. It's going to be good for the Big Ten. Trevor? Agreed there. I mean, that's where all eyes focused on the Big Ten. Um, Alabama's got one more ranked matchup on the schedule as of right now, and that's Arkansas, which, as we know, that that fall off really quickly here. They just got um, beat today by Auburn, so who knows? Yep. They'll probably, they probably they won't even be in the top 25, right, with, with three losses. Um, so no more ranked teams. They'll separate themselves and do what they do. Georgia, separate themselves, do what they do. All eyes there on who is going to go through the gauntlet and come out on top in the Big Ten East. Um, focus in. Get your popcorn ready, as they say. It's going to be and, a fun ride. And especially as your boy Lane Kiffin says before getting knocked out. Correct. So let's go through this. Five power conferences. Let's just take a stroll across the country. Pac-12. Done. Done. Yeah. ACC. Done. The Big 12. For all everything, and don't forget, it is this season. Iowa State started out top five, top six. Iowa State started out top five, top six. Sooners, top five, top six, and here come the Longhorns. That's all changed up. It really comes down to OU and and, uh, OSU, which is interesting. All that, that's three conferences we went out, comes down to one game. Big Ten, we're only talking about one side of one conference and one side of the other. And that's where we are. And Trevor, you said it earlier, if they're really serious, or maybe it was hat, if they're really serious about putting the four best programs on the field, Clemson being out, they can't really make all that noise. Oklahoma's in a prove-it state right now. Like, does it really just come down to those two? We'll send our two best. You send your two best. Let's just see what it is. And all respect to the Bearcats and Bryce Petty. But if it – go ahead. Good. If it comes down to uh, the number two team in the West, say OSU, Penn State edges out Ohio State. Ohio State's now a two-loss team that lost to two top-ranked teams, Oregon and Penn State. Can you say Cincinnati's better than Ohio State? Will they say Cincinnati with their record is better than a, a, a nuclear Ohio State team? Those are the arguments we're going to wind up getting into. How, how, how would you square that? That's why I've, I've never understood the true mentality behind the committee. Those folks that sit around that rich mahogany table, what really is it, right? I mean, is it? Okay, we're going to just X everybody that's got more than one loss, and and that's where we're going to start. And then we'll go by conference, and then we'll go by who's playing the best football, and then we'll go by who has a Heisman front runner. I mean, what are the steps? Do they have a rubric, if you will, that they follow, or is it just by feel and every year is a little bit different? I've tried to look into it. I think we all have. Is there a method to the madness in that room when they're trying to pick? 
if we're talking best teams, you nailed it on the head. It's probably a two in that scenario. If it is Penn State that edges out Ohio State, Ohio State's one of the best four teams, right? Yeah. Yeah. If if it if you X out everybody that's got two losses, then you have the debate over potentially an undefeated Cincinnati, Oklahoma. Well, Wait well, the us. other thing is the other thing is is potentially Alabama could be one of those two lost teams now. Correct. There's no doubt. And all hell breaks loose if that's the case. If they lose a nail biter to Georgia, which that's what we're all hoping for. A uh, 55-yard field goal as time expires and somebody goes for two. Bama turns and says, we lost to this number one program. And then we tangle with another power. It may not be a superpower, but another power. I dare you to point out another program that's better than us. Point out, like, Roman Army and Nick Saban show up. Who are you going to say at a neutral field can go get them? Because Alabama lost at AM, and then they would have to get beat by Georgia in Atlanta. That's the beauty of it. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. I think that's the only chance Cincinnati has. If Bama gets beat twice. If Bama gets beat by Georgia. I I, I just think that's the only chance based upon previous projections and all that and all that. I think that's – if OU runs the table, Cincinnati runs the table, Georgia beats Alabama, they run the table. Now you're going to have the Big Ten, who's going to whoever wins whoever wins the Big Ten is going to be a one loss team. Yep. If that, yeah, one loss team basically now. Um, you know, so Alabama's kind of the odd man out with two losses there. Here's another odd man that could be in, and how ugly would this be? The Clemson Tigers are still a one loss team. They're going to see Wake Forest. They're going to beat them. No, they're two lost. They're a two lost team. Oh, NC State. NC State got them. Oh, no. Can we That's do a quick said. toast to the flashback of NC State? Can we do a, a quick toast? If you guys are at home, man, NC State, my apologies. Coach, fellas. Fighting well, Wolfpack. Takes, takes care of that hypothetical. So, Cincinnati is going to have to – this is what I said. They're in a beauty contest. Everybody else is in a slugfest to get to get through this thing. They're everybody else in a gun. They're in a beauty contest. Can the Bearcats undefeated look better than a two-loss Bama or a two-loss Ohio State? Two of the five families who lost to other heavyweights. That's honestly what it's going to come down to. Dagan, I know you said we got one more question. You want to roll the uh, the other question up there for us? There it is. The most overrated team in college football. Who is the most overrated team in college football? <laughs> and is it Iowa? That's that's from our own senior producer, uh, Rob Douster there. Fellas, is Iowa the most un- overrated or can we split that title? So for the, for the record, the answer is yes, but is it a yes plus? Gosh, that's a good question. That's a great question. I mean, I, because, I hope honestly, none of my Oklahoma until tonight. Yeah. They haven't beat a team by double digits all year. Yeah, that's what I, and we was, have yeah. put them up here like this with yeah. they, they had a Prince that was going to get crowned and they switched crowns and they're still winning, but they're not winning like we thought. So there's a, a possible potential 
overestimation. Then you can go to Clemson. All that juice and all that fervor, all that everything we heard coming out of, of uh, Clemson. And they're out here. Everybody is coming to get Clemson this year. Everybody, Dog every fight. kid in the lunchroom has come back to get their lunch money off of Clemson. And some are taking their chain. Out goes Clemson. And we had them lofty. So Iowa could really share this. But, Hat, honestly, this is a Big Ten guy. It is astounding after six weeks how the cards fell that the Hawkeyes went up to two. To yeah, two. I mean, it's 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 insane. I think I think it's part part of it being just the layout of that of the conference and how they divided the the East and the West. Um, I think part of it, you know, Clifford gets hurt. It gives them a chance, uh, and and I'm going to stand by that. It's just so funny. I mean, it was almost like the perfect storm for Iowa and everybody else who we all are talking about who are overrated, the Clemsons and all that stuff, with the exception of Oklahoma, has stumbled. And I, and that's hard because I don't even think Oklahoma is overrated. I mean, they're still winning games, and it's hard to win football games, period. I mean, it's tough, and they're doing it, and they've been doing but it for a long time now. Is, in June, if we said, hey – in June, if yeah. we said, hey, Hack, they'll be 6-0. and Is this how you thought it would look? What, Iowa? Wins occur- no, Oklahoma. Oh, no, Oklahoma? No. Yeah. No. And, and, I mean, but the, we all, when, we did our, when we did our preseason thing talking about our Heisman favorites, we were talking about Spencer Rattler like being the lock for the Heisman because that's just been the system. That's been – they plug and play, and if you yeah. just do your job, you're going to yeah. put up video game numbers. It just didn't pan out that way. And that's right. that's really – I think that's a great point. And I, I definitely was overlooking that. And, you know, I guess you could say that Oklahoma's overrated. But I think Oklahoma is the only one who in that overrated world has not fallen yet or stumbled. And and Iowa just so happened to, to fall into the trap with Purdue. And um, But I think Iowa, to be the number two ranked team in the country, was, was an extreme stretch. I thought that was hard just – in terms of how they were built. And when you watch the games, I know that defense was very impressive, but offensively, I just, I don't see, we go back to this argument we just had about a two loss Bama or a two loss Ohio state. I I just don't see how you could say Iowa can go play them five times and win maybe one, maybe one. I I just don't think you could do that. I'm looking to see how the one is. So just a quick update. For those of you who are rolling with us live or shortly after, the SEC has a, a, a just a heavyweight ex, like performance, not two heavyweights, but they got like a heavyweight performance out of Ole Miss four and one, and Tennessee four oh. and two. Ole Miss is up 31-26 with 18 seconds left, and these two have been trading blows, but. Just a quick debris thrown all over the field. Oh man, Uh, I got popcorn. Trevor Knight, Greg Long's Bud Light, Bud Light bottles out there. Uh, Trevor, (laughs) just before we wrap here, I mean Iowa, Purdue. It wasn't even like it was another heavyweight that came in and did. You could respect a twenty-four-seven. Loss ish. If if Penn State beat Iowa twenty four to seven, 
you'd still be kind of surprised because they're ranked so high. It was two versus three when Penn State went in there. So uh, there you go. At Boiler Football, we just beat the number two out of Iowa. That might be the all-time that might be one of the all-time tweets. But but Trevor, follow Hack on on his on his run of other programs. Follow him now. Where yeah. would you place some of the overratedness? Does it all ride with the Hawkeyes and we go home? Or do we look at other spots and say, what the hell are we thinking with these guys? Or they haven't even shown themselves yet. I think. Hack, you had really good analysis there of the top. I think Iowa is obviously an overrated team. Will they end up having a good year? We talked about a lot at the beginning. It's it's all dependent on if they get back on track and they could still have a pretty good year. I'm going to go a little bit further back. This is not even really a, a necessary to mention, but they are going to be a top 10 team after this weekend. Um, and, and let's just be honest. At, at this point, they're deserving of it. But they're not yeah. – they, they are overrated, and that's Oklahoma State. I know where you're going with oh. it. Oklahoma State, shout out to Coach Gundy. If they, The fact that they've ever even talked about putting him on the hot seat is crazy because what he's it? able to do there year after year is incredible. Can we raise a glass? Him up. Absolutely. Always well, put him what up into the top is. ten. But they're going to be a top ten team this week here in – what are we, week eight? Week yep. seven, week eight? And um, and can we and, raise a glass real quick to his agent? I know he's beating a path to that AD's door. He's going to mess around and get a 10-year extension off of this <laughs> to Coach Gundy's Mullet's agent. Back. No doubt. Oh, he, to but 2044. that's a, a top-ten team that, that it will not be in the conversation at the end of the year. And no, I think sir. all of us know that, right? But that's why that agent got to strike hot. I know he is, too. He got yep. his track shoes on. We know where he's going to be come tomorrow morning. But sorry, Trevor, to your point. Yeah, that's it. That, that's my team that I think is, is the most overrated team in the top 10 going into this next week. Um, for, for no other reason, I mean, it's, it's not one of those guys you want to go bully on the playground and say, hey, you don't deserve to be here because they do deserve to be in the top 10 right now. They're undefeated. They're you know playing decent ball, but they are not in the conversation of one of the best 10 teams in college football as we get through the uh, the back half of this season. I agree. Just on a quick recap on this end, if Cincinnati really does hold a lot of, of the college football playoff, the, the stress for them, they have to beat their schedule the same way Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, um, Penn State would handle their schedule. It's, it's, it's so much pressure. You don't have, you don't have the luxury of beating a team 28-21 that has two wins because the other heavyweights will knock them through the ropes. They that's really what it comes down to for them. Yeah. Oklahoma almost like I don't know if Oklahoma's held to the same standards, but they I know they have to hold serve. Can a one loss Oklahoma honestly make it into this thing? Can a one loss Oklahoma make it into this thing? Even no. with the Heisman Trophy winner. Not a Probably chance. not. Probably not. God bless whoever's coming out of the ACC. They'll get a crown. I hope it is the Demon Deacons the right now. Orange Bowl or whatever. Yeah, welcome to the Orange Bowl. <laughs> yeah. uh, for all the fans that, in the West Coast right here where I'm at, the Chargers are rolling. 
And then beyond that, it, it, it honestly, it's going to come down to the Big Ten East and the SEC West. Uh, on behalf of Christian Hackenberg, Trevor Knight, and our man Bryce Petty, who's not with us tonight, I'm George Whitfield. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to next week. All kind of heavyweight brawls going. We'll be here with you. Grab something cold to sip on. Let's get into it. After 12, college football. Sorry. Field of 12, after dark, college football. George Whitfield, we're out.